Today's episode sponsor comes from Champ Boxers. If you're looking for comfortable and very exclusive Egyptian cotton boxers and apparel, then you've looked in the right place this evening. Champ Boxers, visit the link that's in our show notes to purchase your comfortable and exclusive Egyptian cotton boxers from Champ. We are here on the special edition, special edition this evening for the Run the Jews vidcast podcast series, episode 15, special edition again with a very special guest hailing from Nigeria all the way on the continent in West Africa. Uh, For those that are looking to travel, whether it's now or whether it's in the future, uh, to the motherland, to the continent. Uh, you're going to be learning all about Nigerian culture uh, from my very special guest, Shade Lawson, who's going to introduce herself in a second. Uh, but for those that are tuning in, uh, this is still a part of our uh, segment for public and professional speaking this month of April. Uh, we are going to be having a lot of other speakers coming for the last two weeks uh, leading up to the end of April. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, but tonight we wanted to make sure and have a different segment of our distant relatives special edition with our very special guest Shade Lawson. Uh, this is episode 15. Uh, I'm uh, King Jules, uh, Julian, uh, as most of you know me, uh, going to be talking with uh, Miss Shade Lawson, who hails from Nigeria. And so as we get started, uh, feel free uh, to comment, ask any questions that you have uh, for Shade in reference to uh, her being in uh, Nigeria or her, uh, she used to actually, matter of fact, live in the US. So I'm gonna let her explain a little bit more about her story in uh, hailing from the ATL. Uh, She's also uh, an alumni of uh, my alma mater for high school, uh, Wheeler High School. Shout out to the Wildcats, Wildcat Nation. Uh, We still still stay connected even all across the globe. Uh, But without further ado, I'm gonna let Miss Shade Lawson introduce herself to you all. So Shade, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good evening. Um, I'm Shade Lawson, as he said. Um, I lived, I grew up and lived in Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta in 1995, and I was there till 2014. Um, I went to high school there. I went to Georgia State University there. And I got my master's in American Military University. I moved back to Nigeria in 2014. Um, since I've been here, I've been um, doing security consulting because of my military background. I was a former U.S. Marine in the States. I went to war three times and came back. Came back with all the stomach. No, no bullets, no, no. Um... No, no injury. Not at all. Yeah, she's she's a military woman. I forgot to even mention that I actually met Sade in junior ROTC in uh, our Willa days back in back in high school. So shout out to all of our serving members like Sade uh, who are uh, here uh, here in the U.S. and also across the globe uh, protecting uh, their countries. Um, so without further ado. Uh, for those that will be tuning in, again, we're on the line with Shade Lawson, uh, who is going to be speaking 
all things uh, Nigeria and also all things uh, from an African cultural perspective on why you should. And again, we're talking all things about why you should uh, be wanting, let alone uh, putting the effort to travel back to the continent, traveling back to Africa. And I, I'm just recently coming back for most of those who've been tuning in uh, from Liberia. I'm straight uh, less than a month uh, back on U.S. soil uh, coming from Liberia and West Africa for a mission trip. And so we want to talk to people that are all over uh, Africa, especially that have lived here in the U.S., uh, so they can tell you their perspective on what they've experienced going back to the motherland. So Sade, um, again, uh, we do know that you're a service uh, a military uh, member. So tell us a little bit about uh, your career with that. Like how, how did you get into uh, that field of being a Marine in the military or even uh, tell us about how did you get involved in that? Well, like you said, you met me in ROTC in high school and I really liked it. And it just kept every, when I even left Wheeler High School, I'm in a McEachern High School, and I still was in an ROTC program. So when I turned 18, um, I got approached by a, a Marine recruiter and an Air Force recruiter. At first, I was going to go into the Air Force, but the Marines were telling me that I couldn't make it in the Marine Corps. Mm. And to prove a point, I joined the Marine Corps, just to prove a point. And I loved it. I did eight years and I loved every second of it. I would not change it ever. I love it. I love it. It's all about being able to prove our doubters and our haters wrong. And, and of course, you being a young queen, a young lady uh, coming into the Marines, like uh, tell, tell us a little bit about what was your initial like uh, view when you came into the Marines? Was it a lot of opposition? Did they show you respect when they saw you were putting in work? Like, how did that how did that process go when you first joined the Marines? Well, as a female in the Marine Corps, you're required to work harder. Mm -hmm. You're required like they put you in a different category. So you have to work harder, run harder, jump higher, shoot <laughs> faster. You're required to do a lot because um, the male Marines were kind of sexist sometimes and you had to literally prove yourself you mm. can't just say i'm a marine you had to prove yourself as a female in the marine corps that you can actually you can actually work side by side with males mm. that's yeah that's interesting because a lot of um folks that may be watching they may have sons so, not sons but daughters um that may be interested in getting into the military or even the marines so Although we're talking uh, this evening with Shade Lawson uh, about her Nigerian culture and about why you should travel uh, or be looking to travel back to the motherland or the continent, uh, we will be talking more about uh, what she is into. Because, uh, again, uh, she is a military a woman, a special, a special uh, lady that has been all the way across the globe. Uh, you heard her speak a little bit about her her tours that she's been on. So. Uh, talk a little bit about those those tours of where did you go? Where were you placed on uh, Sade? And also like talk about that experience if you can uh, from any perspective that you experienced. Okay, so my first deployment, my first time I went to Iraq. I went to Iraq in 2004. Been all, uh -huh. 
Um, I was in I was in Camp TQ. Um, my second deployment was um, Iraq again, 2006, and then my last one was Afghanistan in 2010. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah. So yeah, you've been you've been all over the Middle East. Pretty much. Yes. So so even even talk a little bit about that because uh, we'll keep it still in perspective. Uh, to the motherland, because uh, even when I traveled to Liberia, I didn't get to really like ask questions of what their views are on the Middle East um, from being in, of course, the west part of the hemisphere compared to being in the east, which is closer. Like, what's their perspective uh, from Nigeria, at least from where you're at on, in dealing with what's happening in the Middle East versus what, of course, our news outlets in the U.S., they they paint the Middle East in a in a, uh, a terrible way, uh, to say the least. But what is the perspective from an African uh, culture? Uh, in well, out here, they really don't concern themselves that much about it because we have our own security issues out here. Mm -hmm. A lot of security issues out here. So we literally, we have our own um, version of ISIS out here. So we're more worried about what we're go what's going on in our country than what's going on in the Middle East, right? Because we're still trying to we're still trying to work on that. Like, um, the the southern part of our country is peaceful, but the northern part is not. So mm -hmm. that's where the security comes in in Nigeria. We do a lot of work with the northern region of the country. Yeah, no, that's that's. <laughs> That's excellent to, to mention because we in the U.S., as you know, with the CNN news outlets, the MSNBC to Fox, uh, they have been talking a lot about uh, what's what's happening, as you said, in Nigeria when it comes to particularly like religious beliefs with Christian versus Muslim. Uh, what, yes. is, what is what is uh, actually from your perspective, since you deal in security, like what is going on right now with the religious uh, clashes in Nigeria? Just so people can oh. What it is exactly is like, like you said, we're separated when it comes to religion. We're separated. So mostly the southern states have a lot of Christians, and the Muslims that are in the southern states. They're still peaceful, but up north, the Muslims are not. Mm. I know you've probably heard about a few "Bring Back Our Girls" campaign. Yeah, Michelle Obama did it. Bring back our girls and all the things that's going on out here. Yes. So the Muslims out that's the well, there's certain Muslims that are okay, and then you have the extremists. It's the extremists that are causing all the chaos. So we're trying to just like how America's been trying to get rid of ISIS, we're trying to get rid of those extremists out of here as well to keep it peaceful. But when it comes to religious, is Christian, Muslim, and that's it. Yeah, and that's and that's the the main two religions that are practiced in Nigeria for the most part. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. And that's and that's good to know because we want to hear from someone who's actually there on the grounds in Nigeria versus what the news outlets are, are constantly telling us. And so for those uh, that may have uh, missed the introduction, we're on the line for episode 15, special edition, Distant Relatives of the Run the Jewels vidcast podcast series with uh, Ms. Day Lawson. Uh, she's a security uh, consultant and also uh, definitely a service woman um, for the Marine Corps um, here, actually not here, but over there in the motherland in Nigeria, uh, where she's actually hailing from right now. But she's also uh, been a U.S. citizen here in the, uh, the state of Georgia, here in Atlanta, 
Uh, she's actually uh, one of my classmates that I went to high school with. Shout out to Wildcat Nation, even though she transferred to one of our opponents, McEachern High School. But still, we still we still got love for those that still at least went through the Wildcat process. Uh, but but stay on the security um, topic, uh, Sade, because that's something I know a lot of people uh, are concerned with when they do think about traveling to the motherland based off of like what is happening, whether it's uh, political, whether it's um, uh, faith or religious based, whether it's economical, like how is the perspective when you first uh, transitioned from Atlanta to go back to Nigeria? Like how was your mindset shifted when it came to how you were basically not brainwashed uh, all the way, but definitely to a certain degree being in the US about what's going on in the motherland? Like, how was it when you stepped foot there? Well, my transition wasn't really that difficult because I used to come, I used to come home twice a year. Mm -hmm. So even when I lived in Atlanta, I used to come home twice a year. So when I decided to move back, I knew what I was getting into. Gotcha. But um, when I first came back here, it's actually um, my first shock was financial. Financial was my first shock. It was, um, out here is actually very expensive. Mm. Like the KFC out here is more expensive than the KFC in the States. <laughs> the Domino's out here is more expensive than the Domino's in the States. The Pizza Hut out here is more expensive than the pizza. So like a box of cereal is what, $2.50, something like that. Yeah. But out here it's about 20 bucks. Wow. Wow. So it's more of a financial shock. You're like, wait a minute. So if you're not very careful, you can literally spend about five hundred dollars a day. Wow. And speak about speak about that too, because I didn't even look up before we got on the line. What's the conversion like? What's your your dollar in Nigeria versus U.S. Like, what's the conversion rate? So, three hundred and sixty of of naira is one dollar. Oh wow. Okay. So in the case of just like you were saying for uh, your basic food and things of that nature, like how much like or how how uh, many like U.S. dollars would you would you need to like eat for, let's say, like a week or even a day in Nigeria? Just for those that are looking to travel and they're interested in conversions. Well, it depends on your preference, but a week. Depending if you're eating out or eating it in the house. You don't need about five, six hundred dollars. Five, six hundred U.S. Because of the conversion. So if you're eating out, uh -huh. um, we don't have a ninety-nine cents meal. Got you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a ninety-nine cents burger. We don't have that. So if you want to eat and actually eat good, depending on who you're living with, though. So if you come and you have a Nigerian family that takes you in. Mm -hmm. You don't spend that much, but if you come by yourself and you're relying on yourself to eat out in that, you're going to need a lot of money. Wow. Because it's expensive out here. Very. That's good. That's good to know. Um, the way it is um, economically out here is like each house, you're like your own government. Mm. So you supply your own power. You supply your own water you pretty much take care of yourself. Each house take care of themselves. Wow. 
That's good. That's good to know. And even uh, with the the structure of the house and the structure of, of like the, the family setup, um, like what are the, the resources that are the most uh, popular or the most prevalent in Nigeria? Like what do you guys outsource uh, to the world? What's Nigeria known for? Oil. Oil. OK. Our biggest, our biggest income is oil. We're rich in oil out here. So oil, gold, and cocoa. Okay. So yeah, definitely. I know. Oil, oil is a major one. Yeah, I definitely know about that oil. That's why. That's why I see all the skyscraper buildings out there, which, which I want you to talk about next, because y'all y'all swimming in oil over there. And you said gold and also cocoa is what Nigeria is very uh, relevant for outsourcing. Yeah. And so, and so talk about the, the buildings, especially in uh, Lagos, or I'm not sure of, of where else you may see like the tall buildings or the hotels or the, the, the big business um, co companies or structures out there. Like where are those located? Are they centrally only in y'all's capital or y'all's main city? Or is it like located in different parts? How is the structure there? Well, the the... The most developed state is Lagos, okay. obviously, as you heard about. Our capital is Abuja, which we also have mm. um, skyscrapers and everything out there. But there are also different states that I haven't been to myself. Wow. That um, have nice places, but I've never been. So I can't speak on what I've not been to. Of but course. Lagos is actually very developed. Um, it has a lot of skyscrapers, a lot of hotels, a lot of nightlife. Mm. So we're known about we're we're known with our nightlife. Yeah, a lot of parties, a lot of fun. Get on the boat, have fun. So it's actually it's pretty pretty good out here. I hear a lot about it's the nightlife. Yeah, I hear a lot about the nightlife, and I know you you've experienced that even when you you first came uh, back and forth when you were. Oh, what's the what's the age that you? Is there an age limit? Uh, I always ask when I talk to people in other parts of the world. Is there an age limit that you must uh, be in order to get in, let's say, to the clubs that are there, or even for drinking, or is there, or is there like pretty, pretty flexible? Pretty flexible. Okay. Pretty flexible. I mean, they recommend the drinking age out here is eighteen, but okay. there's no ID to ask to see if you're eighteen. So if you look eighteen, they'll still get you to drink. So it's like that gray area. Yeah, so if you look grown, if you got a baby face like me, they may card me or whatever, right? <laughs> baby face, so. well, if you don't have a card, they can't card you. They'll just give it to you because you're paying. You're a paying customer. I love it. I love it. And that's and that's for those that are looking to travel. Uh, that's that's in um, not just Nigeria, but many parts of the world. You can definitely have a little more flexibility in your fun and entertainment. So so stay with the entertainment side, like. Uh, if I was to travel to uh, Lagos within the next like year, like what are some things you would suggest uh, entertainment wise for someone who's a, a, a Generation Z or millennial uh, that's looking to come out and have some fun, not wanting to, of course, get get wild and crazy with it, but at least uh, have some fun while they're there. What are some suggestions you would you would say? Well, like I said, our nightlife is very, very broad, like. Um I can name like 60 places you could go to at this point. Like it's, it's our nightlife is where 
people really like so we have a lot of restaurants we have a lot of clubs mm -hmm. we have so many different places um the oldest the the, the running club right now is called sip mm. sip is a club and you go there sometimes clubs don't close out here till about 7 a.m in the morning 7 a.m 7 a.m y'all closing <laughs> i love it so what time what time do people get there? i know about liberia people don't get until about 12 1 2 in the morning okay so they go to a restaurant first have a couple eat two o'clock in the morning get to the club party till about five go home okay so you, you definitely gonna be having a, a a late a late night a late night experience in in nigeria and so um even with that, I know I've tried some Nigerian dishes, but in going to the restaurants, like what are some of your favorites that you suggest uh, someone from the U.S. or the Caribbean, uh, or particularly, uh, what should they be looking for? What should they be trying that's traditional, like Nigerian dishes? Well, they can try the jollof rice. Yes. They can try the fried rice. Okay. Um, they can try the Nigerian curry. It's really good. Um, and then there are also different delicacies, like we have pounded yam, mm. we have eba, something called um, amala. So eba is, um, it's wheat, I mean, it's um, cassava, sorry, mm -hmm. that we cook, or you can try amala. So there are different things that you can try out here, and they're all pretty good. Yeah, and I tried cassava. But I tried cassava. Yeah, when I was in Liberia, that was one of the signature or staple dishes that they always offered. That was excellent. Very, very well seasoned fish that they yeah. had. Yeah. But I didn't want to cut you off. But, what, were you what were you saying? But mostly our nightlife, um, we have um, more of Chinese food out here mm. and um, imported food. So. We have a lot of Domino's, Pizza Hut. We have a lot of Chinese restaurants, and we have a lot of like um, steakhouses. Okay. So, so, so many var, just so many varieties. So, yeah, and you can come out here. And literally, you have everything. You have all besides the McDonald's. Yeah, you got all the all the items that we would have here in the states that that besides we McDonald's. Besides McDonald's. So KFC, what other what other fast food? We have KFC, we have Domino's, we okay. have Pizza Hut, okay. we have Krispy Kreme, we have Johnny Rockets, we have Johnny Rockets out there. Oh wow! Yeah, Johnny Rockets has international okay ties to to Nigeria. That's what's up. I know I know the major fast food joints, but any other uh, any other names that you could think of? I know you were saying some chains. The rest are just mostly Chinese restaurants. Okay. And, and stay stay with the the Chinese piece because I know I was talking to a a lot of um the friends that went on the trip with me for the mission to Liberia and um, I was asking them because I did see of course a lot of Arabs uh, that were there and uh, I saw a few amount of of Chinese that were visible. Uh, but when I talked to more local uh, Liberians from Monrovia, they said that basically the country is ran in, in a certain degree by like Chinese and also Arabs um, that are owning most of the business and also owning uh, a lot of property, especially in Monrovia. Um, 
So is that is that similar to the Chinese in in uh, Nigeria? Do they basically have a lot of pull with the real estate or with the businesses, or how is that in in Nigeria? Well, no, for us, it's not the Chinese. It's mostly Indians and Lebanese. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of Indians out here, a lot of Lebanese people out here. Okay. That almost so like our biggest store that we have out here is called Spar S P A R. Mm. And it's owned by Lebanese man, but it's a big franchise out here. Okay. Then we have another grocery store. So it's like a Walmart out here. And it's run by a Lebanese man. And then we have um we have another store called ShopRite that's run by Lebanese man. And it's actually a big shop. But the thing is, is yes, they're running that, but the buildings Still are still owned by our people. Ah, okay. Got you. Got you. Which is important for those that are listening. You just heard from Sade uh, Lawson, uh, who's uh, Nigerian by descent, but she was actually uh, uh, raised to a certain degree here in the States, but wanted, wanted to, of course, go back to her, her native land in uh, Nigeria, West Africa. Um, we're talking about who basically is running the countries uh, that we're going to be interviewing people. Uh, from different parts of Africa. Uh, I talked to her about my experience in going to Liberia, uh, that you always want to know who's pulling the strings, who has the biggest businesses, the corporations, the resources out there. And from my experience, when I went to Liberia, talking to a lot of local Liberians in Monrovia, they said that there's a huge influx of Chinese and also uh, Arabs. I think actually even uh, folks from Lebanese too, that were literally running uh, a lot of the industry and um, the businesses in Liberia. And as you heard Sade Lawson just point out, um, they may uh, have those people that are running some of these companies, but the Nigerians still own the actual buildings. So uh, that's a huge part, a huge jewel to keep in mind that you always want to find out who's basically running the show, even though there's people that look like us or look like others that may be workers there you want to know who is pulling the money bags in as we say so um uh, stay with that point right there too because um how is like the the relationships with uh the chinese and of course the nigerians or even the lebanese and the nigerians is there any tension is there any um type of uh patriarchal or or type of mindsets uh that that take place where have you will have them uh clash or have any tension? How is the the terrain with those relationships? Well, because they're coming into our country, they they blend in. So they, they have to literally join us. You can't, they don't come here and try to run the show. They try, but they're not that successful all the time. I love so it. So they literally follow suit, but we're still in control. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's an excellent point to know because we want to know who's running the show. When you travel again, you need to be asking those questions to the locals to see who has the money bags, who is controlling a lot of the businesses, who is uh, owning the most popular restaurants there. Because although it may look like the the local uh, citizens of the countries or other continents that we go to, they might not be pulling the strings. Uh, so stay with that that point of business and also uh, commerce, because uh, we, we do want to um, lead into that for the Run the Jewels series. It's all about entrepreneurship 
and also all about marketplace leaders like uh, what um, fashion or what um, companies or what uh, night nightclubs are are very popular that may be uh, owned particularly by like local Nigerians that you know of or that you support mom and pop or even franchises like are there any that you uh, can name for the people that may be watching that want to travel to Nigeria that they should support? Okay. Um, 355. Okay. It's um, owned by someone that I know close. It's called 355. It's a nice little bar. That's in, um, that's in Lagos? Yes, it's in Lagos. I got you. And then there's Churrasco's. Um, there's Rhapsody. Um, there's so many. Mm -hmm. I, like, I told you I can name like 60. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many, like, you can't, you can't get bored. Right. There's always a bar in one corner. It's like being, Lagos is like being downtown Atlanta. Mm. Mm. And that's interesting. So it's like more of the midtown downtown, the Buckhead downtown, or or the or the downtown where you see, as you've been here, a lot of the homeless population by Georgia State or by uh, that part that are actually on the streets. Which, which part would you say is more? Yeah. Um, I'll say more like Buckhead downtown. Okay, got you. Got you. There's always a bar somewhere. There's always, there's always a restaurant somewhere. You literally can go down one street and see about. 20 restaurants on one street alone. So, wow. Yeah. And talk and talk um, to that point, even with the uh, relations relationship or connection uh, that you see from being raised here in Atlanta, like talk a little bit about some of the similarities from being here in Atlanta to Nigeria, since you were mentioning it's a lot, it's a lot like Buckhead when it comes to the business, the, the the flaunting the um the lights I, I know I hear a lot about the lights in Lagos like what similarities outside of um the structure for business do you see from Atlanta culture to Lagos? Well, Atlanta culture, Nigerians culture, we're Nigerians actually went to school in Atlanta. I didn't know that until I went to Georgia State and I joined the African Student Association when I was in Georgia State. Mm -hmm. And out of all the Africans in Georgia State, about ninety percent were Nigerians. Wow, ninety percent. I only there was only like one Kenyan, one Ethiopian. It was, but most most of us were Nigerians. Mm. And so that relocation is it wasn't really that shocking because there's a Nigerian community in Atlanta. Okay. So we had our community and the transition wasn't really that much of a shock. Okay, which is good because those that may want to eventually live in, in Nigeria that may have been raised here as uh, American Nigerians uh, and going back, uh, like you said, it's not going to be that difficult of a shift, right? That's the financial part. That's all. Yeah, you got to have your money bags to go out to Nigeria. That's that's a huge factor that uh, Sade had commented at the beginning. What were you about to say? Oh, I don't know if you um, also went through this in Liberia. Mm -hmm. um, 
as far as you know, how in, in the States you have free schooling, subsidized schooling and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But out here, we don't have that. So explain so, it's a huge part with education. Talk a little bit about education in Nigeria. Yeah. So education out here is paid for from kids to college. There's no free schooling like that. You said from you said from mm-hmm. you said from elementary Shade to college. You said it's 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 elementary, uh, high school, mm-hmm. college, not free. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that's huge. I know um yeah, that's something I didn't get to talk a lot um a lot about when I was in Monrovia because they had explained that they have something similar to what we uh, use in the states of the charter school setups, where some of them may be private funded versus uh, public funded. So um, most of the ones that I was working at in the village, because um, we were out in the rural part of Liberia, they had to um, provide certain amount of scholarships from each of the villages uh, for sort of like the honor roll students, but the rest of the, the students did have to pay uh, for, for schooling. So that is, that is um, pretty, it sounds like it's pretty similar in Nigeria too, from what you're saying, correct? Yeah. For the most part. Because so th- my son, my son's 11 and I definitely pay <laughs> every <laughs> year. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You definitely uh, are, are a mom that's making sure your, your young king is, is educated out there. And even from that regard, talk about, because um, I, I mostly was able to be in class or I would say uh, college uh, with a lot of um, Ghanaians who are from Ghana or family descent was from Ghana. But what's like the mentality of the students in Nigeria? Like, what are they uh, most known for graduating with certain careers or certain um, certain subjects that they are more affluent in? Like, what's what's uh, the education standards in Nigeria? Um, in high school, well, I didn't do high school here, but they test you to so get a test. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they um, they figure out what classes you're good in. And they literally pretty much suggest what you should go to school for. Mm-hmm. So if you're good in science, doctor. If you're good in math or... So they literally, they, they group you with your like-minded people in your class. Mm-hmm. and you can grow with them. So if you're not good in math, but you're good in science, go be a doctor. If you're good in math, go be an engineer, or be a marketer, or go into business. So they they literally group you when you're still in high school mm. to help you get to college. There's no... I didn't go to college. I don't want to go to college. It's right. not possible. You have to go to college. Right. So it's not, oh, I want to be a high school drive. I want to just do high school and that's it. No. Your parents won't allow you to do that. You have to go to college. Even me, when I, because when I turned 18, I went straight to the military. But every year, my dad was like calling me, like, go back to school, go back to school, go back to school. And mm-hmm. he didn't keep hounding me until I got my degree. Mm. Which is huge because the education is a very high, 
priority in Nigerian culture. And even yeah. when I was in Liberia, too, I heard that it's, it's high standards versus a lot of us here in the U.S. that may take for granted our education, especially those in elementary to high school um, in West Africa, uh, the two continents um, that we're talking about, Liberia and Nigeria. The standards are very high for the students to go to further their education, to go to college and to also uh, complete their degrees. And I remember even when I was looking at the Breakfast Club interview of um, um, Davido um, speaking about how his father is very affluent. Uh, in Nigeria and basically as a millionaire. So he didn't have to uh, go go into the rap career or starting uh, his career uh, in the hip hop or or even an Afro Afrobeat, whatever the case may be. Um, but he, of course, went against the grain and um, decided to do his passion versus going and just getting a regular uh, job or a regular white collar position. So talk a little bit about uh, even from the way you were raised in Nigerian culture or in the household, like how is it um, pushed for um, men or even women uh, to work in certain career fields? Or is it uh, pushed that um, there's certain roles that are that are more astute uh, of being like a wife or being a husband in Nigerian culture? Like talk a little bit about the family dynamics. OK, well. I can speak from my perspective. Mm -hmm. um, moving back to Nigeria, my dad is my dad is established. My dad's fortunate. He makes sure that my sister and we have to be able to fend for ourselves. Mm. So, your parents do is they want um, to see the children make an effort before they step in. Mm. They just don't want to just give you money. They want to see that you have a passion, you have a goal, you want to do something. At least do a little bit so they can see, okay, you're actually being serious, and yeah. then they'll step in. But if you're on the couch saying you're trying to do something, but you're not trying to do it, they're not going to help you. They want you to help yourself first because, obviously, one thing that my dad always tells me, he can't. he might not be around tomorrow. So mm -hmm. I have to be able to. So they teach you that lesson. Sometimes, sometimes you're not happy. Sometimes you're happy, but <laughs> it's a lesson that you can be taught. Absolutely. So, like with me, when I wanted to do security, when I wanted um, to go into the security field, my dad was like, mm, "Okay," but he wanted to see me do it first mm. before he chimes in and says, "Okay, this is my advice. This is not my advice." do this, do that, but he wants to see the passion. I have to be passionate for it. No, and, and then in... Keep hmm? going, keep going. That's, that's, I was just agreeing. That's and in family, um, obviously I have to live with my dad because I'm not married. So me not being married, I can't live, as a woman, I can't live by myself. Mm, okay. I'm married. So I live with my dad. Okay. Even I, even though I have a son, I still live with my dad because um, it's considered like a taboo if you live outside of your father's house before you're married as a girl. Wow, interesting. <laughs> you stay in your father's house until you get married, and 
the marriage tradition is the day you get married is the day you move out of your father's house. And that's the day your husband comes after the wedding that evening. Your, your, your husband comes to your father's house to get your things from your father's house. Your, your father would do the last prayer before you go to your husband's house. Hmm. That's like some mob stuff. You got to get the father's blessing before you take his baby away and move the stuff out of the house. You got to do the work, too. Yeah. Okay. Like, he comes, though. The husband has to come with his best man and his groomsman. All of them got to carry a suitcase. <laughs> yeah, I got to carry a suitcase to move the wife to her husband's house. They gotta roll out that red carpet and get that that queen get that queen chair ready for her too. I love it. I love talk about talk about the male perspective though too, because in Liberia, um, the village that I went to, Shade, it was um, mostly I tell people which they were um, taken back by. It was like mostly eighty percent um, male that I saw in the village that we went to. About twenty percent woman. Um, that was actually located in that particular village of Riverses. Um, think, I think we're in uh, district district two of Riverses County in La in Liberia. But um, it was definitely a very strong male presence that was in that village, um, and so I knew that they meant business and that they were definitely going to hold it down uh, for the households and also for that that local village in Riverses. So um, from what you said, from a woman's perspective, that the a uh, woman should live with their their father or particularly their parents until they are married. How is the freedom or flexibility for the sons or for the the men? Well, they have, and they because um, the men are, you um, you're going to be the head of the household. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they you need to be on your stuff before you consider getting married. Mm. So therefore, they put they put the pressure on the males because you're the protector, you're the provider, right? And there's no there's no wiggle room around that. You are the head of the household, and you have to make sure that you own your stuff before you can consider getting married. Mm. So you could be a male in Nigeria and want to get married, and your family feels that you're not ready. They're not gonna entertain you. Mm. So, so it's not like you know how in the states. You fall in love in a year, you get married, and you divorce in one year. Right. Out here, when you get married. No, no, I was agreeing with you. Go ahead. Keep keep going. Yeah, yeah I can hear you. You can just fall in love and get married, and then a year later, you get a divorce. But out here, is you have to, your parents have to meet. Your parents have to get along. Mm -hmm. You have to literally, it's, it's a long process. Like to get married out here, it takes about six months. Oh, okay. Okay. So you first do an introduction where all the husband's family comes, all the wife's family comes, and they all meet each other in one setting. Mm -hmm. You have the traditional wedding before you, you have the white wedding. Part wedding. So if the man is not serious, he doesn't have his stuff together, his parents will entertain it because they know what they have to go through for you to get married. They want to make sure that you are good to go before you walk down that aisle. 
you have to get cleared from the from the um the the woman or the potential wise family before you even get the chance to to seek the blessing or even to have a, a marriage period i love it and then uh talk a little bit about because i know in the states um of course you know that being being raised here in the states too before going to nigeria nigerian weddings are like very grand and very like fantastic when it comes to uh, decorations, colors, attire. Um, like how how is the wedding ceremonies, uh, of course, being in Nigeria versus, um, of course, uh, seeing them in the states. Like, is it is it more grandiose? Is it is it more big? Is it is it small? Like, what's the what's the wedding ceremonies look like there? Well, the weddings out here are bigger. Okay. Um, my sister's wedding, which was ten years ago. My sister's wedding, we had like over three thousand people there. Wow. And it was very it was very colorful. Mm-hmm. And the bigger your wedding is, the more people will come and the more people will actually want to see the wedding. So um when you're because it's, the way they do the weddings out here is the wife's family that that plans the wedding. Okay. So it's not like, okay, me being the wife and my husband, we're sitting down planning the wedding. We have to sit down with our parents, let's sit down and our parents pretty much plan the wedding. Um, the traditional wedding I was telling you about, that is mostly for the parents. The parents own the traditional wedding. Okay. The white wedding is for the wife mm. and the husband, but the traditional wedding is mostly for the parents. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's but it's very colorful. So, what'd you say? No, no, go ahead. So, um, they do different colors, and I know you've seen it's very colorful. So, the wife's side of the family picks a color, mm-hmm. and the husband's side of the family picks a color. The the friends of the bride and groom pick a color. That's why it's always so colorful. Mm. So, you can tell the difference. Like, okay, that's the wife's side of the family. That's the husband's side of the family. And those are the friends of the couple. There's a way to tell the difference. Okay. Okay. That's why it's always very colorful. Yeah, that's one thing I always uh, love about seeing. I haven't gone to one as an adult, but of course I've seen pictures and, and heard about the Nigerian weddings in the States. They are very very grand and very colorful or very beautiful with the setup and everything. And so, and so I know uh, we're getting, we're getting ready to wind down shortly, but I want uh, you to just uh, speak uh, just while we get ready to close out with your final jewel uh, in a second, like speak a little bit uh, for those that are interested in touring uh, Nigeria. What are some um, trip low, not trip. What are some locations or tourist attractions that you would, suggest that people go and visit, whether it's um, different landmarks, different traditional locations that they need to touch when they go to Nigeria. And then also talk about like the flight, like how long is the flight typically coming from Atlanta or the South uh, to get there? And also uh, what are some tourist uh, spots you would uh, suggest? Okay. Well, in Nigeria, you have such a good time. Um, we have a lot of landmarks. I I want to mention so many, but I don't want to start confusing people. But our major one, um, 
we have a lot of beach locations out mm-hmm. here because mm-hmm. Lagos is actually Lagos is actually on the ocean. We have a lot of beach locations. We have a lot of private beaches out here. Um, we have you can get on a boat, go to another private beach. There's wow. too many different things you can do out here. Mm. Uh, the flight is from. Um, I normally do the Atlanta one, which is a direct flight. So I take Delta from Atlanta to Lagos, mm-hmm. and the flight leaves uh, midnight in Atlanta, and it gets here in ten hours. So you literally sleep the whole flight. You don't even feel it at all. Wow. And you know you don't feel it at all. It's always a night flight. Okay. Um, the food out here is great. The hospitality out here is great. We always welcome people. Um, our culture is whoever comes over, we welcome them with open heart, open minds, no matter what. So coming out here, you have such a great time and you would not regret it. It's very fun out here. I've been here for three years now. I lived in the States for 22 years. And I don't regret my relocation. That's 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 the way it's supposed to be. And, and even with the time difference, speak a little bit about how far ahead of you compared to Eastern time. What's the time difference over there compared to here? It's 8.24 p.m. What time is it there? It's 1.25 a.m. Wow. Wow. So Sade's up up uh, late at night with me doing this um this vidcast. So shout out to Sade staying up uh past past midnight. I don't even know if it's still the same way in the States if past midnight is a is a late um is a late time period to stay up. But um definitely the difference is ten hours, you said about ten hour difference. Five hours. Five, Five hours. hours. Five hour difference. Okay. But we don't have um daylight savings time. So when you have daylight saving times, it's six hours. Ah, okay. Because everything below the equator, they don't change. We don't change our time. Gotcha. It's only all the countries above the equator. Gotcha. That changed back one hour. Gotcha. So plan for about a five, uh, six hours if it is daylight savings time to 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 come to the motherland, especially Nigeria, West Africa. Cause I think it was five hours too with Liberia. So what we always do, uh, Shade, uh, we, we always allow the guests to leave like a final jewel of wisdom or a final jewel of, uh, what they would want people to know. And in your case, cause you are in Nigeria, uh, we've talked about, uh, what's happening with the culture in Nigeria. We talked about education in Nigeria. We talked about the nightlife. We've talked about, uh, food that you can eat when you come to the, uh, Nigeria, uh, what would be for a person that may be listening that wants to travel to the motherland and they want to uh, even possibly go touch down in Nigeria, but they may be afraid, they may uh, be uh, brainwashed by what uh, U.S. society may say that Africa looks this certain way versus what it actually looks like when you when you are there. Like, What would be your final jewel? that you would leave for that person uh, that is on the fence of wanting to travel? Um, well, Lagos is not what, Nigeria is not what is shown on TV. We're actually very modernized. Mm-hmm. We're actually, um, if it was the daytime, I would have showed you pictures so you could see we're modernized. We have everything out here. You will be lacking. You will not be scared. We have security out here. We have a lot of police people out here. 
on the southern region, I can't speak for the northern region, but the southern region, you're good. And Lagos is the major place that everyone comes to mm. in the UBC chair. So right now, um, there are about 5,000 security companies in Nigeria. Mm. So you be secure, you be safe, and there's nothing to be nervous about. Yes, that's an excellent end it off. Don't be scared is what uh, Sade is telling y'all. Come out, be scared. come out and experience the beautiful uh, country of Nigeria, particularly even in Lagos, if you if you do go there. And my final jewel uh, would be just for those that know me, I'm all about world travel, all about learning about different cultures. Um, this year was my first trip to go to the motherland in Liberia. I look forward to going back to touch uh, Senegal, Ghana, Nigeria, and um, eventually go to the east uh, where Kenya, Egypt, Ethiopia, Eritrea is. Uh, but uh, for sure, um, make it a point. You're hearing from different people uh, throughout this month. Uh, last month, uh, we also spoke with a local um, that is in Liberia. And also today we've spoken with a local um, that is in Nigeria uh, that is telling you why you should come and visit, especially if you're in the Caribbean or in um, the states where I'm at, you should be wanting to go and visit some way, shape or form. So don't be scared, as Shade said. And uh, uh, without further ado, uh, we've been uh, on the line this evening uh, with Shade Lawson, who's a security uh, consultant. Also, uh, she's a service member um, uh, from being in the Marine Corps. Uh, she's uh, been raised in Atlanta, Georgia. This is how I met Shade. Uh, but she, of course, wanted to return back to her traditional culture of being of Nigerian descent. So she's been in Nigeria three years. Uh, she shared her um, her experience with you all, shared uh, her, her passions with you all, what she's uh, about. Uh, so thank you again, Shade, for being on the line this evening. Uh, it's been a pleasure being able to catch up with you. I know we're going to be uh, doing some business in the future and connecting uh, how we can bridge the gap uh, from you being over there and me being here in the U.S. And so thank you. Thank you again for being on the line tonight. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Yes. And what I'll do real quick, I'm going to just close off with a quick prayer and then let you go get, get some rest or get ready for the next day since it is 1 a.m. over there. <laughs> All right, Father God, I just want to thank you for um, allowing Sade to come on the line this evening uh, just to share uh, from her perspective uh, a little bit more about Nigerian culture and also about uh, the motherland and uh, just to give people more uh, education about uh, what is actually happening over there versus what societies in their countries or in their neighboring states are saying is happening in Africa. Uh, we thank you. Uh, for uh, her purpose and also for her mission that you have her on. We thank you for her being uh, a mother and also uh, her uh, just sharing her experience with us tonight. And we just pray that this will bridge the gap between um, people over in the, the States and in the Caribbean going back and returning in some way, shape or form to their origin and being in West Africa. And this in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we'll be in touch, Miss Sade. It's been a pleasure having you again, and you uh, definitely get some rest. <laughs> I will. All right, we'll, I will. we'll definitely talk soon. All right. Peace.